the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jill Gallant, joined by Evan Abrams each and every week. He is our research director and media consultant here at the Action Network. We're going to dive into all the Sunday NFL action for week 15. Of course, as the show goes, we're going to have Brandon Anderson. He's going to give us our, his hot reads later in the show. And Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider, he'll give us an update on sportsbooks in Vegas and how they fared this NFL Sunday. But as we do, Evan, let's start off the show looking at Monday Night Football, Eagles and Seahawks. Now, this game's a little tricky, Evan, because the Eagles right now are three-point favorites with an over-under of 45 and a half. And this line is right now at halftime of Sunday Night Football because I bring that up because as of halftime of Sunday Night Football, we do not know 100% certain who is starting for quarterback for the Eagles. Earlier today, Adam Schefter reported that Jalen Hurts was downgraded to questionable due to an illness. He is traveling to Seattle, but on a separate plane. And uh, so we have no word of whether or not it's going to be Jalen Hurts or Marcus Mariota at quarterback for the Eagles. Whereas on the Seahawks side, we do have a little bit of clarification. Geno Smith is likely not to play that it will be Drew Locke at quarterback that was confirmed earlier on Sunday morning. But the one thing I would say, Evan, looking at the spread right now is it was Eagles minus four. And then this news came out, it went down to three and a half and now it's down to three. I'm not sure if sports books know for certain if whether or not he's going to play that's Jalen hurts. And to be honest, man, it's kind of a shit show for the NFL because they flex this game out <laughs> from Sunday to Monday night football because they had Chiefs Patriots set up for this uh, Monday night. And now we're staring into the abyss of Drew Locke and potentially Marcus Mariota. Yeah, well, Chiefs Patriots wasn't exactly the best game I've ever seen. So. <laughs> no, I think it's a worthy uh, substitution. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it is what it is. I think at this point, uh, the spread hasn't done too much adjusting. You've seen three and a halves go to three. It's really been the total, uh, really 47 and a half, 47 down to 45. I think they're just bracing for the fact mm-hmm. that it's Locke and Mariota, to be honest with you, just because we're getting so close and they're getting, you have the extra day and we're getting news that it's possible he's not playing. And you usually wouldn't get that if Hertz was going to start and everything felt like it was heading in the right direction. Uh, Probably worth noting just, you know, where these quarterbacks are in terms of Mariota and Locke. So Mariota uh, has struggled pretty bad recently on the road. Uh, His last four road starts scored 13, 15, 17, 15. Uh, It's not great. Uh, And 15 and 25 straight up road neutral in his career, no season above 500. So if it is Mariota, it's just going to be very elementary. Uh, And that's probably what you see in the line. I don't know how you bet this game. If it's Locke, Mariota, aside from the under, because I just don't know if I'm going to be able to pick a side uh, ATS-wise. In terms of touchdowns, which I know is your mm-hmm. uh, specialty, sure, sure, Goddard, I don't know. Like maybe something of that nature if it's some backups and Mariota is going to be looking for a blanket. Yeah, the passing offense right now for the Eagles is really hard to project with Marcus Mariota instead of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Because he was so bad last year near the end. He basically got kicked out of Atlanta (laughs) and released for Desmond Ritter, who I think is a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. But in a spot start, especially if you think of like week one when they played the Saints last year, the Falcons, and they came out and surprised them. They didn't win the game, but Mariota looked competent in that kind of game. I feel like in a spot start, he could probably give you 70 to 75% of what Jalen Hurts can give you. But I think if you're going to be betting the Seahawks and you were already feeling the Seahawks, you have to bet them now because if Jalen Hurts is getting ruled out and it's Mariota, that line is going to shift into Seahawks' favor. It's going to probably drop to two and a half, maybe to one. Uh, But if you are wanting to take the Eagles, 
I think you probably just wait it out. I don't know if it's really going to move past four, for example, past another key number with Hertz ruled in. But if it's Mariota, I can't imagine it'll drop that much more where you're not getting a better number. But again, that's Eagles defense. This has nothing to do with the offense, but offensively and defensively, they've been outgained in seven straight games now offensively. So I can't imagine Marcus Mariota is all of a sudden going to uh, rejuvenate uh, this passing offense. Also from a defensive standpoint, just a funny thing too, Evan, Matt Patricia, not sure if you saw that, is going to be calling the defense for the Eagles now uh, after his last stint of, I believe, calling the offense for the Patriots after a stint of coaching the Lions where he was basically shown the door. But from a touchdown score perspective, perspective i like jackson smith and jingba in this game slot receiver he's playing over 70 percent of snaps the eagles are bottom three uh in the nfl and touchdowns allowed to the slot they've also given up the most touchdowns to wide receivers in the nfl with 23 and we talked about this last week when they were playing the niners uh drew lock he didn't look horrible last week versus the niners and that's say i have to come a long way to say that like he, <laughs> yeah, that's he, you know he he threw the ball a lot in games with a trailing game script. DK Metcalf looked good in that game. No Darius Slay as well in this game. So that's going to be a matchup now that DK Metcalf, I believe, can exploit if he's going to be matched up with, say, somebody like James Bradbury. Uh, but it, he's only around plus 185. So I think Jackson Smith and Jigba would be who I would look at at plus 280. I would also say Jalen Hurts for an interception around plus 135, plus 140 is enticing as well, especially if he is playing with that illness. Ten picks this year. Seven of those INTs uh, have been on the road. Uh, he only had six picks last year. Uh, so I think the the turnover uh, probability is high, especially with Jalen in this spot, you know, especially facing an up-and-coming secondary on the road in one of the, uh, the loudest environments as well in the NFL at Lumen Field. So that's Monday Night Football. But now let's move to Sunday. Kind of a mixed bag kind of day. I would call it a melancholy week, uh, Evan. Uh, favorites, they go 11-3 and three straight up. Nine, three, and two against the spread. Favorites again continue to crush. Um, but the home uh, teams go ten and four straight up. Nine and three and two against the spread. Other than that, that was probably the biggest takeaways from the the overall trends of Week 15. Was there anything else I'm missing here, Evan? Yeah, you mentioned it with favorites. Uh, Eighty three, thirty three straight up. Sixty one, fifty and five, which is fifty five percent since Week Eight. So a little bit of a run. And aside from that one week that underdogs went uh, over five hundred straight up, it's been Pretty good for favorites straight up. Uh, they've been winning, uh, you know, doing the good job overall. Uh, public today six six and two, so basically a five hundred week. Uh, I think the one thing that's interesting is you look at the standings, and again, just AFC domination. You got nine teams above five hundred, and in the NFC there is only four. Uh, so that's uh, pr- pretty much the story right now going into the uh, next week. Well, and the favorites and the homes trend, uh, that really relayed to the Bills today because yeah. the Bills were home favorites, two-point home favorites over the Cowboys. Probably their most dominant win of the year, 31-10 to 10 over the Cowboys. The total goes under, though, of 49. Honestly, Evan, just the biggest takeaway from this game is the Bills and their ascent now back up into this AFC playoff picture where I think everybody was writing them off after that Eagles loss. The NFL is just such a week-to-week league as far as the narratives are concerned. But now they're 8-6 and six with the Chargers, Patriots, and Dolphins on the horizon where now that Week 18 game is starting to feel like it could be the AFC East title game because the Dolphins got the Cowboys and the Ravens coming up and then the, the Bills to finish it out, whereas the Bills have the Chargers and Patriots. Much easier route here. It would be not shocking for them to go 2-0 and in those games and then setting up for a finale in Week 18. But for today, the big thing was is that they just would not be denied running the ball. They crushed the Cowboys running the ball, the rainy Rainy game just made the game to run. Uh, three rushing touchdowns, 350 rushing yards by the Bills today. That's the most rushing yards uh, the Cowboys allowed in any game today. And Josh Allen, he didn't really have to do much. He only threw it 15 times, 85 passing yards, but no turnovers. I think that was the most important thing. Didn't put them in a hole. I mean, they doubled the Cowboys in first downs, 24 to 18. They led 21 to three at halftime. And this just looked like an emotional letdown. Uh, for the Cowboys, who looked like they played their Super Bowl last week and beating the Eagles. Yeah, Dallas has been pretty predictable lately. When you think they're going to be good, they're going to be good. When you think they're going to you know, drop an egg and be bad, they're going to be bad. There hasn't been really much of a uh, uh, odd game in terms of what we've expected, I think, with them. 
Uh, I will say a stat or two here, uh, just to kind of bounce off of what you've said. So Dak is now six and thirteen straight up on the road versus over five hundred teams in his career. So he is a hundred and fourteenth mm-hmm. of hundred and sixteen quarterbacks since he was drafted in that stat. Uh, they are zero and three straight up in that stat this season. So they just don't show up in those outdoor against good team, which I'm going to call Buffalo good. They're one game above, they're above 500. 500. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, and they're also Buffalo. Um, yeah. So kind of prove that again. Uh, listen, da- Dallas had the fewest pass yards as a team yes. with 30 plus pass attempts since 2008 for them. It's been a long time since they looked this bad while trying to pass the ball. Uh, so really difficult. Uh, a few more. So Josh Allen, interception streak over. That it took this game. It was nine games straight with interception for him finally done. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's really the difficult one. Now looking forward, and you mm-hmm. said it, Buffalo is going to be a fourteen point favorite against the Chargers. They're going to be probably 10, 12, 13 against New England. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go two and zero. They're they're going to be two and zero going into that Miami game. Uh, so it's you know they were fifty to one to win the Super Bowl just a few weeks ago. A lot of people took them. Uh, it was a good opportunity, and they've shown up since. Yeah, and I think the Cowboys, too, another thing, not that it would really uh, make them maybe pull the pull the reins back a little bit, but with the win, uh, the Panthers win today, we're going to talk about that Panthers win over the Falcons, but with that Panthers win, that actually clinched a playoff spot for the Cowboys today. They're likely going to get that first cow- uh, wild card spot, which will set them up with a first-round playoff spot facing – the NFC South winner likely, which is probably going to be the Buccaneers. We might see a first round rematch again. Uh, but again, a team that is now 500 above should be interesting to see if whether that DAC trend plays out if uh, the Bucs uh, kind of continue uh, to to look as solid as they did. We'll talk about that Bucks packers game in a little bit. Let's move over to Bears-Browns. Browns win 20-17, to and the Browns is two-and-a-half-point home favorites do cover but the total does go under of 37 and a half and they come back to win Joe Flacco down 13 (laughs) going into the fourth quarter. And I got to tell you, Evan, when you have that strong of a defense, you can throw three interceptions and still be within reach to be able to win the game. Because again, another multi-touchdown game of passing for Joe Flacco. He has three of them already in three starts, even though he did have three interceptions today, a huge late rally. But this was a defensive battle, really a mess of a game. I honestly thought the Bears' defense up until that final drive played fairly well. I mean, they got a pick six on on Flacco. Again, the three interceptions. They completely shut down the Browns' run game as well. Uh, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt couldn't really do anything today. But I think the one thing, this was almost like a double whammy for the Bears today because you're always going to try to be contending about how Justin Fields is your quarterback of the future. He did not look good today. I believe he was 16 for 40 throwing the ball. And with that Panthers win, now that's kind of putting them maybe a little bit more in danger of missing out on potentially drafting Caleb Williams. So um, just something, a little bit of a double whammy here for the bears, but for the Browns perspective, here's where their schedule's at. They're nine and five. Now they've got the first wildcard spot in the AFC. Um, and they've got Houston coming up. Houston is eight and six. They're going to, that's basically, I think going to be for Houston, a win or go home kind of, uh, outcome. And then the Jets and Cincy to round out the year. So I think the Browns, if anything, I think we're going to see at least 10 to 11 wins from this team, but I I think they're still a little too far to be able to catch uh, the Ravens here. I mean, obviously if the Jaguars were to win tonight, uh, maybe that might be able to change their fortunes, but from, uh, from a front AFC standpoint, I think the Browns are fairly solid, especially with that defense. Uh, and now with Joe Flacco, uh, apparently can move the ball better than anything that we saw from Deshaun Watson, PJ Walker, and Dorian Thompson Robinson. All right, let's move to Bucks Packers. Uh, probably my favorite game of the day, just as far as uh, watching uh, offensive outputs. But uh, box, uh, the Bucks win uh, thirty-four to twenty. And the Packers lose as home favorites, three and a half point home favorites, and the total of 41 and a half does go over. The Bucs continue to win. And Baker Mayfield, we talked about this last week, Evan. Man, he looked pretty good today. <laughs> like, um, I didn't like I was kind of on the fence of like, oh, should I come around now? He did that against the Falcons. But again, going on the road to do that 
on Lambeau Field, 381 passing yards and four touchdowns. And, I mean, he was hanging in there. He took some hard hits. He, I mean, the Packers got after him. He was sacked five times today. Uh, but they outscored the Pack 21-10 to 10 in the second half on the road. I thought this was a solid, competent win for the first time that I've seen from an NFC South team all year. Yeah, coming off of the roller coaster we just discussed with Cleveland, where they've had four quarterbacks win them a game this year, and they can't find the guy after giving Deshaun a trillion dollars. Now you go into Baker, the guy they got rid of, who literally just had the best game ever played by an opposing quarterback at Lambeau Field. Uh, nobody's ever had a perfect passer rating. Baker did. Uh, four touchdowns, zero picks, 380 yards. It's the best career game for him ever. He's never done all three of those numbers. Uh, so a wild turn of events. And then you kind of just look at the Bucks' season. 7-1 and one against a spread on the road. Best team in the NFL. They've continued to show up away from home and score a ton of points. Uh, I think we've actually talked about this before, but the let's just bet Evans and Godwin to score a touchdown <laughs> continues to just find its way to the end zone every single week. Uh, this work, week yeah, I mean, this week Godwin doesn't get there, but he has 100 yards in the first, like, 18 minutes. Uh, so – Bucks continue to surprise. They continue to win games, uh, flying over their win total now. So they cash that. And now at home against Jacksonville, at mm-hmm. home against New Orleans, and at Carolina, uh, right the, the driver's year. seat for Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield, it, it's right in front of them. Uh, so just a crazy turn of events. And you kind of look at it from Green Bay just for a quick second. Five and six straight up as favorites last year. Now one and two straight up as favorites this year. It's just it's a different game. It's a different team. I'm not sure they deserve that type of having to lay points respect, uh, at least not yet. I mean, they've been amazing, right? Uh, the targets, the receivers, the, the whole deal, the rookies. I mean, everything is just over uh, expectations. But this is probably a pick game where you're getting free points with Tampa. Sure. Yeah. And I think the Packers, too, looking the rest of their schedule because – they do have a nice little get right game against the Panthers. Look, yes, they did beat the Falcons today, but let's not <laughs> pretend like people aren't circling the circling the Panthers on, on their schedule streak. being like Winning we got to get a win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go two and zero here, and then of course the Vikings and the Bears to round out the year for the NFC South uh, or the NFC North rather. But uh, no teams above five hundred that they're playing. But at the same time, they basically got to go three and zero to to probably make the playoffs and. Nine and eight still might not get you there in the NFC, depending on how the rest of that plays out with the teams like the Rams or even the Vikings uh, as we go. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now it's time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking for for early Week 16 lines? Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice right! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! 19 sound! 19! Louisville Soul Train! Hot! All right, week 16 hot read. We are 0-1 on the hot read this week. The ugliest, grossest Thursday night under of the year, 63-21. Waiting on Sunday night, but so far for the season, 17-9-1 on the season for the hot read, 61%. We're going to start out right in on Thursday night. This is a pick I gave out on the look ahead on Friday on the Best Bets episode of the podcast. I'm going back to it. I'm loving it. I'm doubling down on the Los Angeles Rams, minus three and a half against the Saints in L.A. This line has not moved, and I certainly think it should have by now. I still think it will. The Rams on Sunday, they go up 20-0 on Washington. They basically coasted. Washington kind of closed the gap in garbage time, but never really competed. L.A. had 148 more yards. Really should have been more than that until the end of the game. The Saints look like they did the same thing. 24-6 over the Giants, 28-6 over the Panthers last week. Really, really unimpressive games when you dig into the numbers. They only had 503 yards of offense combined against the Giants and Panthers in those games. Two terrible teams. Really, they're just playing awful offenses, and they've been getting by on that. These teams are basically being counted as equals by the spread, and I don't see it. Now, they're both 7-7. and 
They're tied in the wild card race. Into the weekend, the Rams were 17th DVOA. The Saints were 21st. So on that note, this line kind of looks right. But these teams are going opposite directions despite these recent Saints wins. Last five games before Sunday, Rams were a top 10 team by DVOA. They're the number two offense in the NFL behind only the unstoppable 49ers. And the defense really has even been improving around league average. Same stretch. The Saints are 30th in DVOA. Their offense is still bottom 10. It has been all season. The defense has been dropped to 30th. Now, that's going to get a little better, of course, after holding the Giants to six points, but not necessarily a lot. The Giants are a terrible offense, one of the worst in the league. You're supposed to hold them to six points. Saints are injured up and down the roster. Lots of key injuries there. Short week. We only have four days here. And... After this game for the Saints, they play the Buccaneers in Week 17. That's the team they're tied with in the division. This is the sort of game where you might rest a couple guys. You need that Bucks game. You have to win that as the Saints. This one's not quite as big of a deal. It's nice if you get it, but you got to have that Bucks game. So I like that angle for us as well. Saints are good running the ball. That's their one real strength, but the Rams' run defense has been better. Saints' run defense is terrible lately. Kyron Williams, I think, will shred them. And, of course, you know we love to fade Dennis Allen always, especially on a short week, especially against Sean McVay, an elite head coach, 5-2 and two ATS on a super short week like this. These teams are not equals. Give me the Rams all day. Rams minus 3.5 against the Saints on Thursday night. And then let's get the very next game on the schedule. Saturday. Saturday afternoon. Two teams that played this Saturday. Give me... The raw, raw Mike Tomlin Steelers at home, plus two and a half underdogs against the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a bullseye on the raw, raw trend. We'll get to that in a second. Look, it's ugly in Pittsburgh. Steelers have lost three in a row against the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts. They're really not even competitive in these games. Playoff hopes around life support. Is the 500 streak in jeopardy? How can you bet the Steelers? This is exactly when you bet the Steelers. This is what the Tomlin Steelers have been for years now. So first with the matchup, there is a chasm in between these defenses. And I know Pittsburgh didn't look the part this weekend, but Cincinnati, they are terrible, terrible defending the run. And they're really bad defending the middle of the field passing. We saw Minnesota exploit both of those things. Ty Chandler had a huge game. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had a big game along with their other tight ends. I think Pat Fryermuth for the Steelers will have a big game here. The Steelers have been a top five run offense the last six games. They put Broderick Jones on the line, the rookie. They've been really doing well running the football. I think they're going to run the ball well here. I think they're going to go to Fryermuth, and that's really Steelers football. That's what the Steelers have been doing well, and it matches up perfectly with what the Bengals don't do well. Last five games, Cincinnati's defense. 31st overall by DVOA, including 30th against the pass, and they've been terrible against the run all year. Another thing, the injuries. Cincinnati just lost DJ Reader for the season. That is a big loss on the line, especially as bad as that line has been anyway. Jamar Chase, we don't know if he'll be ready to go. He was limited at the end of that game Saturday. Meanwhile, we might get Kenny Pickett here. I certainly would like Kenny Pickett, please and thank you. I do not enjoy Mitchell Trubisky, but... You know, we're playing it either way, so I will take it. But great if we get Pickett here. Even better if Jamar Chase ends up limited or out. And, you know, the trends. The rah-rah Tomlin trends. Let me give you the numbers. Week 5 forward as an underdog for his career, Mike Tomlin. 44, 20, and 1 ATS. 69%. Very nice cover rate. But you got to use the trend right. People are saying, oh, the rah-rah trend is dead. Rah-rah is over. Fire Tomlin. No, no, no. The rah-rah trend is great. You just got to use it in the right spot. Notice I said week five forward. The rah-rah trend is not good the first month of the season. Well, here's a few other spots where the trend is good. Trend is better at home. 15-4-1 ATS, 79%. Guess what? Home game for Pittsburgh. It's better in divisions games. 21-5-1 rah-rah ATS, 81%. Guess what? We're in a division game here. It's better after a loss by seven or more. Nine and one ATS, 90% cover rate. Guess what? They just lost by more than seven. This is a bullseye. This is the exact spot you want the rah-rah trend. Mike Tomlin for his career against the Bengals, 67% ATS. And 
few team agnostic trends go Pittsburgh's way here too. Just basically a buy low, sell high thing here where Cincinnati is the sell high. They've won a few games in a row. Pittsburgh on a three-game losing streak, 62% ATS for teams like that. AFC North division underdogs late in the season. That's a trend you want, 64% for the underdog. And then just taking the team that is the desperate team that needs the win, like Cincinnati, 40 to 60% win rate just ahead of an opponent. In week 16 through 18, only 32% cover rate all time in the last couple of decades. So this is a spot where giving Cincinnati too much credit, Jake Browning too much credit. I know, the Steelers look dead. I will stop betting rah-rah when they pour dirt on Mike Tomlin's grave. I got to do it one more time. Rah-rah, Mike Tomlin, Steelers, plus two and a half. So week 16 hot reads, Thursday night, Rams. Minus three and a half home against the Saints. And Saturday, rah, rah, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Plus two and a half home against the Bengals. Harid is off next week for the holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's get a couple of wins. All right. Thank you, Brandon. All right, Evan, let's now keep moving along here to Texans Titans, where the Texans improbably win in overtime, 19 to 16 in overtime. The total does go under of 38, but the Titans do not cover as three-point home favorites, which was very surprising because as the week went along, we found out that C.J. Stroud was not going to play in this game, and we saw Case Keenum uh, with Stroud in concussion protocol. And I'll be honest, Evan, man, I thought it was going to be a disaster, and it kind of was until about six minutes left in the fourth quarter because Keenum, you know, he just – was not being efficient on third down. They had a pick six, put them really in a hole. I thought Devin Singletary really carried them in the second half, especially against a Titans defense that is normally very strong against the run, 23 carries, 120 yards. But in overtime, not that we'll be looking at the Titans going forward if whether or not they're going to make the playoffs or, or division, but just from a game-to-game standpoint, Will Levis went down with a little bit of a leg injury as well in overtime. So that'll be something to monitor as we go into next week. But the Texans now, the one thing I'll just say about the Texans, if I'm D'Amico Ryans and I'm submitting my candidacy for coach of the year, this game, I have it right at the top of the list. This was a surprising performance. Uh, I liked Tennessee in this one. I felt like this was the get right spot. I found a stat prior to our favorites podcast recording last week that I feel like I had to double take Simon didn't believe and now just extended, which is the fact that the Titans have lost seven straight games against AFC South opponents. Uh, Not something I think I would have believed, but the struggle is real and they really blew it in this one because they were up, they were controlling uh, and they kind of just let it all slip away. Uh, Tennessee just can't run the ball. There's a problem with Derrick Henry. He's getting older. But you just look, they were 13 of 34 first half, 17 of 32 second half. It just almost feels impossible. But listen, what D'Amico Ryans has done, and even now without Stroud, and listen, Keenum, October 13th, 2019. The significance of that date was Keenum's last road win entering today. It's been five years since that guy won a road game. And coming from behind, it was just a a very impressive performance. Uh, And now... Houston hopefully gets Stroud back uh, and he gets through protocol. They got two home games, Cleveland and Tennessee again, and then they got to go to the Colts. So Houston, it's all in front of them after this. Just come from behind, win this win they just shouldn't have had, to be honest. Well, and one thing I was going to say too, Evan, is with the Texans, big log jam right now for the wildcard spots in the AFC. And you have the Texans, Colts, Bills, Bengals all at eight and six with the Browns ahead of them now at nine and five. And at this rate, I'll be honest, Evan, I feel like there's going to be a 10 and seven team that ends up getting squeezed out of the playoffs right now. And I kind of thought at the start of the year and maybe even halfway through that 10 and seven was going to be the barrier for entry in the AFC playoff picture, at least to get that seven seed. And I think now there could be a 10 and seven team that ends up getting squeezed out. I don't know of which team it's going to be. You would probably pick the Colts knowing uh, how I know how you feel about Gardner Minshew and that team, but, and we both feel pretty good about where the bills stand right now. So the Bengals, again, uh, we'll talk about the Saturday games quickly uh, a little bit later, but the Bengals, you know, another win with Jake Browning now at eight and six, uh, it's going to be really tight there. It's going to be a really fun race down the stretch, but that's kind of why I thought to myself, if the Texans play the Browns here, that might be, 
if you don't win that game from a Houston perspective, that might be your playoff season gone because just with the way the margin for error is so small now with all of these teams. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But again, uh, Texans are going to be hosting the Browns here coming up. And uh, with how CJ Stroud throws the ball, playing against a pass defense that was just incredible uh, today, uh, stopping the passing offense from the Bears, uh, should be very interesting to see how they match up and if he's able to uh, find any ex- ways to exploit it. But uh, let's move now to Chiefs Patriots. Chiefs win 27 to 17. This game was flexed out of Monday Night Football and for good reason. Uh, and the Chiefs, as eight and a half point uh, road favorites, do win and cover. And the total does go over of 39 and a half. Now, I'm still not really that encouraged by the win, I'll be honest with you, Evan. I mean, two interceptions today for Patrick Mahomes. He's now tied for the most interceptions in a season for his career, and he still has three games to go. And what's funny is because the Patriots are so bad, two interceptions, it didn't even matter because uh, the Chiefs were still able to just move the ball as they wish, put up points. They got touchdowns from Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but you could tell that they really missed Isaiah Pacheco as well because they only had 17 total carries for 43 yards. They didn't really do Mahomes no favors, but – I think this is another thing too, Evan, and I feel like uh, it might be like grounds for termination to slander Bailey Zappi on this podcast, but he's just not it for an NFL starter. Like I'm sure he had and won people a lot of money at this company when he was at Western Kentucky, but like today, first half, 17 for 19, 150 yards on touchdown. Not bad. That's exactly my notes that I wrote down at (laughs) halftime. We start the second half. He immediately throws an interception. Chiefs immediately score right after the turnover. He goes the rest of the way, 6 for 12, passing for 30 yards. Um, They did cut it to 10 with eight minutes to go, but you knew it didn't even matter. And now the Chiefs, they're 9-5. and they got the Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers to wrap up the year. But even if they go 3-0, and I don't really think there's a path at this stage for them to get a one seed. So we're likely going to see... Uh, the Chiefs, they might, they'll still probably host a playoff game, but if we get to the second round, we might be seeing a road playoff game for the Chiefs this year for the first time. I think we will. In the, in the Mahomes era, rather. I think we will. Um, I mean, looking at it from KZ's point of view, this is a lose-lose. There was nothing that I think could have been gained by them playing in New England today because, you know, winning 30 to nothing almost wouldn't have proved anything just based off of what New England is uh, week to week and what they are now. Uh, the fact that this game was close and Mahomes, you know, had his ups and downs and, you know, it wasn't completely solidified until maybe later just made me question Casey even more. Obviously, from a, uh, you know, game perspective, we had Darius Tony with a uh, fumbled interception, uh, which <laughs> was hilarious. Uh, I think it's pretty clear looking at Rasheed Rice, nine targets, nine receptions. Yep. He's Mahomes' favorite guy. Uh, he's the guy probably he trusts probably behind Kelsey. At the moment, uh, he's just getting a lot of looks. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Even looking at Mahomes' chart, though, today, which I glanced at before the pod, 37 pass attempts, a ton of them were 10 yards and in. Like, he was just dinking and dunking and trying to find spots. But obviously, there's just a lack of faith in his receivers and his targets and the downfield stuff, which I, I just think impacts the team overall. Uh, defense is great. We know that. but didn't really change much for me today. No. And, and I think that's the thing. We like we know what the Chiefs are. We know how their limitations at this stage. You're not really going to take a lot from them being yeah. the crap out of a 2 and 12 Patriots team, right? At this stage, a team that's probably tanking trying to get Drake May or I'll add, I'll add this though. Uh so Casey wins out, they go over their win total, which is fun. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. Still still in the balance. And lastly, this came into fruition today, so we might as well watch it going forward. Chiefs 4 and 10 against a fourth quarter spread this season didn't look good today. And then that that is actually 18 and 36 last three seasons. So it's been a struggle for them overall. Wow. All right, let's move on to Falcons Panthers where the Panthers win in a baseball score, 9-7. to seven, And the Falcons as favorites again, Evan. I feel like I've been saying this now three straight weeks. The Falcons, as favorites, lose outright. They were two-and-a-half-point favorites today with the over-under of 32-and-a-half. And if you had the under, it was very sweat-free. Um, but the Panthers, they do win to move to 2-and-11, uh, or 2-and-12, rather. But they're... 
what was insane to me that the Panthers won this game, like only 283 yards of total offense. They trailed the whole game until the final play. And for anybody who was looking at pictures of fans or it was a very rainy, messy game in Carolina, but there was probably less than 10,000 fans there to see it. <laughs> the stands looked pretty empty. Uh, and why would you come out in a, in a rain game to watch your team maybe win a second game of the year, but uh, both wins with a combined 22 points uh, and a three point combined win margin. My final note about this game though, Evan is that I think Arthur Smith is I, I I'm running out of things to say, but Arthur Smith to me is a piece of shit. And with how he uses Bijan Robinson, <laughs> And his running backs and his staff, like it is again, I say this roster malpractice. Like you cannot have a talent like Bijan Robinson in a game where you're facing the worst run defense in the NFL and you do not use him. It just blew my mind. And then Desmond Ritter with a late interception that essentially cost them the game. So the Falcons, they pretty much cost themselves the win and cost themselves likely the division and maybe even a playoff spot with this loss today because they're six and eight now. Uh, they trail both the Bucks and the Saints, who are both seven and seven, and the Falcons have the Colts, Bears, and Saints to round out the year. It's drafting malpractice, but also roster malpractice, right? Because you're going to make the draft pick, you're going to take the guy, and then you're going to not use him the way he's supposed to be used. Just don't take them and take something else you needed. Uh, like an so, offensive lineman or a defense, like a second, yeah. like a, another cornerback. <laughs> like, exactly. Uh, yeah, listen, Atlanta lost the game that they scored a touchdown and the other team didn't. Enough said. Well, let's move to the other side of the NFC South uh, with Giants Saints. Uh, Saints win 24 to 6. Saints do win and cover as five and a half point favorites. Again, back to back weeks of outright wins and outright covers. Uh, probably pretty easy to do that when you're playing the Giants and the Panthers but uh the total does go under of 39 and a half and we talked about this like two weeks ago when we were I was bitching about how the Saints sucked but I was saying look they got the Panthers and Giants coming up they probably will go 2-0 and in those games and we'll be talking about them at 7-7 and again well they win a back-to-back games by a combined score of 32-12 to and it inspired zero confidence still in me for the Saints going forward. Yeah, DeVito struggled, uh, and I think we could have seen this going forward. I mean, entering today, he was 34th in EPA per play, 38th in average depth per target, and today he was 3 of 9, 10-plus yards downfield. He's just he's a fun story. It's a good situation. But Saints defense is good, uh, and we saw it last week. We've seen it earlier this year. We've seen it at times when they don't have to face, you know, really, really good quarterbacks. They're a good team. Uh, the one note, the Giants just go under. Happens all the time. Ten and four to the under this year. Forty-four twenty and two to the under since twenty twenty. By far the best mark in the NFL. Happened today. It just happens when you're going to score six points. So. And the Saints, uh, they have the Rams here coming up next week. Both teams seven and seven. Uh, winner will uh, put themselves in a much more solid position of getting an NFC playoff spot for the wild card. So the Saints. Uh, if they don't win the division, again, there is still an outside chance that they could make the playoffs, whether it be a wild card. Um, but they have two divisional games to round it out after the Rams. So those will probably all come out in the wash uh, as, as it goes. All right, now Jets-Dolphins. Dolphins win 30 to nothing. Total goes under of 37 because the Jets did not do their part and score any points. And the Dolphins cover is eight-point home favorites, but uh, – this game, Evan, it was just a shit kicking. Like it was twenty-four to nothing halftime lead. Tyreek Hill is out. Didn't matter. They missed a ton of players on defense. Didn't matter. I mean, when you saw the inactive list, it looked like a grocery list. Like as far as how many guys and starters were out. But I mean, Raheem Mostert uh, for two touchdowns. And we talk about Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill a lot for offensive player of the year. But sneaky candidate for offensive player of the year for Raheem Mostert, given the fact that he has the same amount of touchdowns as. Christian McCaffrey now this year combined 20. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson got benched again for Trevor Simeon. You know, he nearly got killed, I think, in the first half of that hit. Did you see that hit, that Bradley Chubb hit that yeah. he had on him? Oh my God, I thought he was dead uh, from there. But I think uh, it was Beckton, right? Somebody let him through. It was a yeah. terrible block. Yeah. And so with the Dolphins, that's why I wanted to talk about them here because, yes, you got that nice win. We didn't really talk about them about that loss that they had to the Titans last week. That, improbable that improbable comeback win by will levis but got the cowboys now who are coming off a loss and we'll see what happens here with the ravens uh tonight against the jaguars but that game could likely determine maybe who gets the one seed in the afc 
But we talked about right now that the Dolphins could potentially go 0-2 here, and then we're looking at a Week 18 matchup for the AFC title crown. All right, now 49ers Cardinals. You want to talk about a shit kicking? Niners win 45 to 29. Total goes over over a 48 and a half, and the 49ers as the biggest favorites of the week, 12 point favorites, cover very easily. But another huge game for Brock Purdy. Uh, 242 passing yards, four touchdowns, no picks. He is the MVP favorite now over Dak Prescott at a lot of shops. He's around minus 150. Uh, big shift there because Dak was the favorite coming off of that last week win. But I think my main takeaway, Evan, and I was just talking about this for Offensive Player of the Year, I think Christian McCaffrey is the clear-cut Offensive Player of the Year over Tyreek Hill. We talked about this about how if you get to 2,000 yards, you hit that milestone that will kind of just you, – you get there and you're in. But three touchdowns today for Christian McCaffrey – and I feel like if you're looking for a deciding factor, just look at the anytime touchdown odds in a week. Christian McCaffrey in any given week is minus 300 to minus 350 to score an anytime touchdown. When you look at Tyreek's anytime touchdown odds, minus 180 to minus 210, it's only getting to minus 210 if he's facing a team like the Commanders, who are like last in DVOA defending the pass. And obviously, when he has 150 yards and two touchdowns in that game, it, it made sense. But that was kind of my takeaway from that game is that I feel like Christian McCaffrey, even though, I mean, even Brock Purdy today in the postgame interview said that Christian McCaffrey should be MVP of the league. Looking at the MVP odds now, an updated list as we're going through the night, that he's up to minus 200 now. Uh, I mean, wow. my gut's going to say that there is value in someone else in the market, but minus 200 and right behind him is Dak at 6-1, to one, Lamar 6-1. to one. McCaffrey's sitting at 20 to 1. Uh, I think the MVP, truthfully, is probably the most interesting thing to come out of this game concerning the fact that San Francisco gets Baltimore next on Christmas. We, I, I don't think anything that would have happened in this game would have changed how I felt about that at all. Uh, Baltimore looking good tonight, and even a loss by Baltimore against a Jacksonville team in Jacksonville doesn't really change anything about next week's game. No. So. Uh, the one stat which I think will get brought up when it comes to Purdy, his yards per attempt is insane. Uh, it is currently 9.883, which minimum 200 attempts is the highest in a single season in the Super Bowl era by literally the smallest of margins ever over Kurt Warner in 2000. Uh, he's having a ridiculous season. His efficiency, his completion percentage, his yards per attempt, as I just uh uh, talked about mm -hmm. it's crazy now the supporting cast it's a bit of a difficult conversation to see like how valuable is someone in that sense when you know you look at Tyreek Hill and you see what you know Miami looked at looked like initially at least without him um, you know conversation all over the place uh, I do think Arizona going forward though I don't think they look bad I think they're going to stay in some of these games they got Chicago Philly and Seattle the rest of the year seems like they're competing uh, I took them plus the points that I didn't work out, but I might look that uh, look at them as underdogs going forward as well. Well, the Cardinals uh, worth noting as well with Murray, they're three and one against the spread for the first quarter spread. They've actually scored first in three of four games right now like with that. Kyler Murray at quarterback. So again, just they start off fast in every game, but they just get overwhelmed because they have zero talent on the defensive side. Uh, but yeah, the, the 49ers looking very strong from an MVP standpoint. Brock Purdy checks a lot of boxes as far as a team that'll have the best record. He'll likely be up there as far as passing touchdowns, head-to-head -head matchup. He'll have that over Dak as well. Um, so it should be interesting to see where that plays out. It would not shock me if Brock won MVP and McCaffrey won Offensive Player of the Year. I think people would be very satisfied with that outcome, even though Tyreek Hill uh, is definitely a worthy candidate for Offensive Player of the Year. All right, let's round this out now. Commanders, Rams. And Rams win 28 to 20. And the Rams uh, do cover a six and a half point home favorites. Uh, but the total of 48 and a half just goes under. <laughs> We're going to talk about that here in a second because the Rams, uh, they moved to seven and seven. And right now are sitting in a wild card spot in the NFC with the Saints coming up. That game might decide uh, an NFC wild card spot. But then the Giants and then, of course, the 49ers that you alluded to last week that we might get to week 18 and the 49ers just might not give a shit anymore. And and uh, it might just be a nice little walkover game for the Rams. But another interesting note here, um, if you had the over, 
And I believe, Evan, we talked about this. You might have had the or maybe over 48 and a half. Yeah, uh, I have to give you my condolences here <laughs> because Joey Sly cost you a winner because he had the extra point blocked with a minute 50 to go on that second touchdown from Curtis Samuel that would have put you at 49 total. Um, the Rams still would have been covering in that spot. But again, uh, that, that would ban kickers. I mean, I really, that's, I, those are the types of things where you see that happen and that makes you immediately feel like uh, we just got to take kicking out of the game. Another interesting angle too, uh, Evan, and we'll see how this goes. But again, with the Lions winning on Saturday over the Broncos and the Rams sitting right now in a wild card spot, there's some nice poetic justice here potentially brewing for the first round where there could be the potential where we see a first round game with Matthew Stafford and the Rams having to go to Detroit to play the Lions. The fact that that would be in Detroit and not in the Rams, obviously based <laughs> off the situation, just makes that literally 50 times better. Uh, so that feels amazing. Let's have the season end today. I think some fans would love that and some fans would hate that. Uh, but the fact that it would be in Detroit, like I just said, kind of means a lot too, right? Uh, based off what we've seen from Goff uh, and yes. Stafford. So uh, the over there might be 62 and a half, um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and we the Jared Goff and the Detroit offense on Saturday just completely dominated as far as uh, the Broncos are concerned. The Broncos could not stop tight ends. They were last in DVOA to tight ends entering the game. They give up three touchdowns to Sam Laporta. I'm not sure if there's a spot below 32 uh, in the NFL standings, but uh, that's where the Broncos are when it comes to defending tight ends this year. Um, so should be interesting to see what happens with that game or a potential outcome. No matter what, the Lions in the opening round of the playoffs will be home, and that's where we know that Jarek off in that offense usually does play pretty well and does usually cover the spread pretty well uh, as well in Jarek uh career. All right, so that's the uh, Sunday slate for Week 15. Now let's check with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how Sportsbooks fared in Las Vegas for, for Week 15. Hey, Jill. Thanks again for having me on the Action Network podcast. I'm talking to you on a Sunday night after I've gleaned a lot of information from odds makers around Las Vegas and around the country about how NFL Week 15 went for the books and for the betters, for that matter. And also a little bit of a look ahead to the Monday night game and even some of these games coming up on Christmas weekend. There are some dandy matchups on the schedule. But first, let's talk a little bit about how this weekend unfolded, specifically at BetMGM. I was going back and forth throughout the day with Christian Cipollini. And he said before the Sunday night game between the Ravens and the Jags, which obviously was going to be a key game, he said a really weird day. We got a few games to go our way, but the important ones didn't go our way. And by that, he means the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the 49ers, all bad for us. And it rolls into parlays, but not only parlays, money line parlays. Uh, depending on what you got a Chiefs number at, you might have got a push. But generally, they, you know, they, they covered because that number did get below 10. Uh, the Niners covered. The Dolphins obviously covered in shutting out the Jets. So they were really going to need the Jaguars on Sunday night. Jaguars didn't win. Jaguars didn't cover. So that has the books in a really interesting spot come Monday. And it's all going to depend on the injury situation for both teams' quarterbacks. What Christian said is, uh, we take most of the money around kickoff, so it would depend on whether Geno Smith starts for the Seahawks. And, all, and further, he said, look, if the Ravens win, which they did, and there's no Geno, they're going to need the Seahawks really bad tomorrow night. However, if Geno plays and Jalen Hurts, Eagles QB, who's under the weather like I am, he probably has the same crud that I'm dealing with this weekend, except I don't have to go out and play quarterback and get chased around by 300-pound defensive linemen. But he said if Geno plays and Hurts is still sick, he anticipates they'll get more Seahawks money, and that might mitigate some of the liability there. But if Hurts is playing, with what Raven, what happens in the Ravens game tonight, it'll uh, they'll they'll definitely be leaning into the Seahawks heavily tomorrow behind the counter at Benham Jam. They're going to want Seattle to at least cover that game, and they'd love somehow for Seattle to spring the upset. And I spoke with another odds maker here in Las Vegas, and what he had to say is that even though the Ravens won and covered tonight, the fact that that game stayed under was really good for them, and they actually had a pretty good day, mainly because of Buffalo running over Dallas. He said the Buffalo, it was a really good day for us with the Buffalo win. And he said Ravens and un, Ravens and over would take a bit out of the day, but we would still do well. Instead, they got Ravens and under. So they probably lost a little bit to the Ravens against the Jags tonight. But uh, by the game staying under the total, they did all right there. So it's, it's, it's going to be a win for that particular book. Now, as we go to Monday night, this is from BetMGM. Here are the numbers, at least as of Sunday, at BetMGM 
for this game. And that the Eagles are actually taking 80% of spread tickets and 82% of spread money. Now, the bulk of money is going to come in on game day. And if Jalen Hurts isn't playing, that's going to shift this dynamic dramatically. Obviously, it'll shift with Geno Smith too, but Jalen Hurts is obviously much more high profile. So keep an eye on the injury report, the illness report, I guess it is in, in the case of Jalen Hurts, because that could shift things significantly. Uh, on the total in tomorrow night's game, Monday night's game, you got about two and a half to one tickets and three to one money coming in on the over. That's obviously going to get impacted heavily by who or who is not at quarterback. Now, let's jump ahead to week 16, Christmas weekend. We got a few good games and two just superb games. On Christmas Eve, you got the Dallas Cowboys at the Miami Dolphins. And on Christmas Day night, wrapping up a triple header, you've got the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. This could be a Super Bowl preview. These two teams are one and two on the Super Bowl odds board at many books. Let's start with that that Christmas Day night one. I spoke with a Vegas odds maker on this Sunday evening. Open San Fran minus five, noting that the 49ers are banged up on defense entering this battle. And injuries are not, he said the book will need Baltimore in this game. He said the Christmas Day money line, again, it's a triple header of games. He said the money line parlay of Chiefs to Eagles to Niners is looking like an easy way for public bettors to make some Christmas cash. So he expects the public to be all in on the, I would call it the Christmas money line parlay, Christmas Day money line parlay. It actually rhymes a little bit. And then on the day before, Christmas Eve, the Cowboys-Dolphins game, this game opens Miami minus two, initially backs up to one and a half. That's where we're sitting late Sunday night. However, the odds maker said if Tyreek Hill heals up with his ankle, along with the Dolphins' offensive line and defensive backfield getting better, they're banged up in those areas as well, he thinks this number is going to move toward Miami minus three. So there you have it, folks. A look back at the weekend that was in the NFL, uh, kind of a mixed bag. Some books did well. Some books are going to have to take a wait in Seattle and probably will need Seattle, could need Seattle very badly come Monday night. And with that, a look ahead to Monday night as well. And of course, a look at a couple of the key week 16 games. Thanks a lot for having me, Jill. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Patrick. And thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football and keep an eye out for all of our NFL Week 16 podcasts right here on the Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.